Praise God. Praise God. First John and read just a few verses and um, this is not really part two or part three, I don't think, but it uh, seemed like it is kind of maybe in the same vein. So maybe it is, but not intentional, but uh, appreciate all the good hospitality and and uh, good food and uh, a little bit too much of it, but amen. I guess might as well die fat and happy. Hallelujah. Ain't no use getting all skinny and looking like you got cancer or something. Amen. Some folks, well, I better, I better behave. God bless you. God bless Brother and Sister Burton, this church family, and all that the Lord has done, is doing, is going to do. And good to see new, new faces. Uh, good to see old faces, new faces. And uh, I want to be a permanent fixture around the house of God. I like going back to places and seeing, seeing people still living for God. After 40 and 50 and 60 years, it's still same place, same. And, uh, amen. Remember old Brother Evans saying that he said, I, I thought Brother Burton was kind of prodding people to worship. But he said, I could teach 30 days on praise. And I guess that would include worship, praise and worship. I could teach 30 days and never repeat myself. And so uh, sometimes I feel that way about certain subjects, about uh, authority and submission and some of that is some of my... Seem like get on that every once in a while. And uh, a church has to be balanced. It has to have all of it. You have to have you have to have a strong diet. If you're gonna have apostolic church, it has to be a strong diet of understanding of authority. Very strong. Now I'm not planning on teaching on it tonight, so don't get quiet and make me. Praise God. You're not going to have an apostolic church without a strong diet of authority. That's what let us say in Pentecostal does not have. And there's a lot of facets to it. And, uh, but when you come into apostolic church and you feel the difference, you maybe was had a couple that came a few years ago, a Spanish couple to our church. They had repented and baptized in a Pentecostal church. But they still had jewelry, still had television, still had, you know. And after they'd been there a little bit, they said, you know, they seen the difference and made the adjustments. And they said, you know, now I realize I don't think, I don't even feel like now I was saved then. But God... Uh, brought them and lifted them 
Amen. And uh, so everybody's got to start somewhere. There's folks that started in a Baptist church. My dad repented in a church that did not believe that the Holy Ghost was real, did not believe it. And in fact, they believed anybody speaking tongues was of the devil. But yet there was enough God there to convict my dad to repent of his sins and gave him a change of life at 16 years old. You don't have to believe it. That's just the way it was. That's the way it is. God talks to people. God reaches people and touches them in many places. He'll talk to somebody probably in a bar tonight. You say, is God in the bar? Yes. If there's a hungry soul there, he's there. Somebody said, well, is God in the Baptist church? Yeah, if there's a hungry soul there, he's there. He'll make that old Baptist preacher say something he didn't even want to say just to give him a little kernel of corn to feed them a little bit to where they can get so, to where there's something that's real and something that's more. And so, uh, amen. God bless you so much for that. First John 3 and 14. In the word of the Lord, we know that we have passed from death unto life. I'm good. God bless you. I'm, I, I, I sing, so when I hear music, I think I'm supposed to be singing. <laughs> I, I get all tangled up. Now, Brother Wheeler, Brother Wheeler's here. He wants some. He he wants you to play the whole. Just play and play and play. For we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He loveth not his brother, abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. For whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him how dwelleth the love of God in him my little children let this let us not love in word neither in tongue but in deed and in truth and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God assure our hearts before him If our hearts condemn us not, God is greater than our heart, knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Chapter 4 and verse 7, if you'll bear with me for just a few verses of Scripture here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that he might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And send his son to be a propitiation for our sin. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. The perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. And he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This is a commandment that we have from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. I want to talk about the, uh, of course, Tuesday night was talking about loving God. First commandment, loving your neighbor, loving people. But I want to talk about the beautiful balance of God. The wonderful, beautiful balance of God. Excuse me for quoting Brother Evans so much, but I hardly, I don't preach too many times without quoting him because he lived, left such an impression on me. It helped me more than he'll ever know. But he used to say there's three things that every Pentecostal has to have, and that is balance, and the second one is balance, and the third one is balance, and everything has to be balanced, everything has to be balanced, amen, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit here, if you want to be here 20 years from now, if you want to be here when the Lord comes, if you want to be, you're going to learn balance, are you going to blow out? Mm -hmm. We're going to learn worship. We're going to learn to receive the word. You're going to learn the role of a saint, learn the role of a man of God. You're going to learn all about it. You're going to have balance. In fact, we're going to a balanced city. We're going to a city that's four square. And God's got a church that's, that's balanced. Amen. And uh, that's what I want to be. Everybody say amen. Lord bless you. May be seated. Uh, God so loved that He gave. We perceive the love of God that He laid down His life. God gave Himself. If I love, I sacrifice. All right. Some of you looking around and getting straight, and I'm, I'm not wasting any time here. So if you miss what I'm saying now, the rest of it may not make no sense. If I love, I sacrifice. If I love, I give. If, if I love, I desire to help people. If I hate, I want to hurt. I want to hurt people and not help people. If I hate, I, uh, I love myself. If I hate others, it's because I love myself. 
and despise others. The scripture said that the hate, he that hateth is a murderer. Somebody that hates is actually a murderer. There is more ways to murder people than go out and shoot them in the head. Three and 15 says, whosoever shall confess that Jesus, oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and that no murderer hath eternal life abounded in him. Then the scripture said, God is love. I really would like to love like Jesus loved. I'd really like to know more about this thing because it's sure a whole lot said about it here. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Not because you have holiness on the outside, not because you shout and run the aisles, but because of our attitude and our feeling toward one another. It really is a big telltale sign of how you really feel about people. How you feel about the people that's sitting in this house. I know there's personality clashes and there's people that uh, you just maybe don't hang out with and as the church grows, you, you, you don't, it, it kind of, you have little people that they're bare. There shouldn't be anybody, having said that, there shouldn't be anybody that you can't shake hands with. There shouldn't be anybody in this house that you shun away from. If I feel a little distance trying to get between me and somebody, most of the time it's in my head. But just in case it's real, I go to them and go the extra mile and make sure I go to them to dissolve that distance. Oh, praise the Lord. To make sure that uh, there's, there's nothing there. And if there is something in their mind, that it gets uh, dissolved. Love is a redemptive quality that changes people. If you can get just a little bit of what I'm saying tonight, I don't claim to be no, uh, I'm not saying this is going to change the course of anything. And Brother Burton talking about going to the next level, next dimension, and uh, we, we say them things sometimes. But you will look back in your life and you'll see certain times, certain messages, certain phases in your life that, that something shifted. And it was in your revelation. It was in your understanding. It was, it was something that, that got a hold of you. And so if I could just, uh, you know, throw a little log on the fire, maybe that would be for one person out of everybody that's here tonight. That uh, somebody would say 20 years ago, I, I, I remember that. I remember that night. And, I, and something clicked. Some things are taught and some things have to be caught. And so, but love is a redemptive quality. And so the scripture said, husbands, love your wives. 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so Jesus first loved us. We didn't love him first. He first loved us. And so his love reached out to us when we were unlovable. When we we're uh, alienated from the life of God. Had all kind of trouble and hell and hate going on in here. And somehow God reached and touched you with his love and with his mercy and brought you and lifted you and lifted you out of that mentality and despair that was you was in. Sometimes people's raised in church have a little bit of problem understanding that because they think they never was that bad. But we're all made out of the same clay. We're, we're no different from the people that's out there on the street. I'm capable in my flesh of doing anything that anybody else out there is doing. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But anything good in me, it's cause what God has done. Praise the Lord. So the Lord told me to love my brother, and I'm trying to. Because when I love my brother, I'm also loving you. The Lord told me to love my brother, and Lord, I'm trying to live peaceably with all men as much as lies within me. And Lord, I'm trying to. And Lord, I'm trying to. But something about when I love my brother, I'm also loving God. And you can't separate them two. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan is full of hate and vengeance and wants to get everything good out of you and destroy. The devil would like to destroy every marriage in here. Every home. Mess up all these children's lives. Put disunity in the house of God. The devil wants to disrupt God's plan. But somehow or another, the only way we will prevail, the reason churches have trouble, I don't even like to talk about it, but churches, if you've been around long, there's times that there's church, churches has had trouble. And this one's not exempt and no other one is exempt. And when it happens, it's because there is a deficit of love. Praise the Lord. Love. Oh, I want to I talk about it a little bit. Lord, help me, Jesus. Uh, the spirit of hate and vengeance and getting back. I'm going to get even with that person if it's the last thing I do. Well, it's probably not the last thing you'll want to do. You might say, well, if I ever see him, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. You might ought to just keep it. You'll probably need it. But the scripture said, Jesus said in his first public sermon, to love your enemies. Anybody can love them that love them. Anybody can do good 
it takes a pretty wicked person to want to do evil towards somebody that's done good. And the world loves its own. But oh, he said, I'm expecting you to do more than just love me and love your neighbor and love those in the church. But I want you to love those that despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you. And besides that, this will help your worship rejoice. And when folks really start uh, telling the lies and, and, and saying all kind of things, it, it is to put a jump in our worship that we are to rejoice, that we are counted worthy Woo, to feel a little bit like Jesus felt. Oh, that we're counted worthy to suffer for his name. Oh, let the love of God be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Don't let us just talk about love. Let's just don't talk about loving Jesus and jump around up here, but let's show it. When somebody irritates you, you have to show it when you when your wife irritates you, you got to you got to get it right when you when your husband irritates you, you got to get it right cuz you got to love. And your love is going to lift them. Love lifted me. Like the old fella, somebody said, uh, did your wife, uh, did, uh, did you wake up grumpy this morning? Somebody asked the fella, he said, no, I let her sleep. Praise God. So, oh, sometimes, sometimes, now some of y'all, you should have smiled there. You didn't, you didn't blew the cover. You had it covered. You were smiling. You was like, like you didn't smile at that, I know. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but oh, the love of God so rich and pure. Amen. Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. Has anybody ever divorced in love? Has anybody ever left the church when they was loving God and loving everybody in the church? You know what got them out? You know what keeps people from getting in? It's because they're feeling. And when people come into the house of God, I don't know how I keep feeling like dealing with this just a minute, but when people come into the house of God, it's like a little baby that's born in the house. That little baby over there that, that the brother's got, I've seen him. Trying to be a good daddy there a while ago. That little baby, if they had four, my, my daughter's got three, she's fixing to have another one. And uh, the littlest one is one that gets the most attention. And the others have to go with and like it because they get whipped if they if they start messing with that. But the little little Barrack, he's his world is fixing to change because another one is in the pipes. Another one's in the oven. Another one's coming. And when, when, when that Josie gets here, whatever they're going to call her, then that little Barrett is going to be, he's going to have to, he's going to have to learn something about love because right now, you're the cutest little thing. You, we love you. Go, 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 go. 
new convert, them new people that come in, you just dote on them and talk about them and oh, thank God for them, thank God for them. Yeah. Amen. And then all the love and the shower just coming this way. But you know what? Somewhere, little Barrett's going to have to learn to pass that love on. All that love he's been given, if he don't grow up to be a brat, he's going to have to learn to love his siblings. Or he ain't going to be worth shooting. I don't care how cute he is. And when you come in the house of God and everybody seems like so glad you're here and everybody seems so perfect and then after a while you start seeing some little flaws in people, per personality. Praise God. Man, oh man, y'all don't get so quiet. <laughs> and so somewhere you have to learn, God, you love me. You saved me. Lord, help me to save somebody else. You, you love me, let me love somebody else. And people start looking around and then all of a sudden they have a little clash with somebody. And lo and behold, you do business with somebody. And they give you $20 less than what you thought they should. Yeah. business, a lot of business people in the church and sometimes they'll get into business deals and I have to sit down and be the arbitrator and have to be the lawyer and I've looked at some of my own blood kin and say alright I'll sit down alright, give them $10,000 over a little misunderstanding and discrepancy. I said, give them $10,000. And everybody said, amen. And all three of them said, amen. There was no argument. There was no problem. It was all whatever the pastor says, that's what we'll do. Now, when there's a, look, this, this, look like y'all good ones to pick on here. But if you was to ever, I'm sure you've never had, but if you ever have a problem and you have to talk to the pastor about it. Because you know, it looked like perfect saints to me. Just don't, don't, don't say no different. Let, let me be deceived. Praise God. But when you go to talk to the pastor and there's a problem between you two or any other couple, here's how you do it. All right, pastor, this is what I think. This is what he thinks. But we both agree that whatever you say is the way it is. Now, that's not the kind of office uh, counseling that bothers the pastor. That's not the kind that makes him want to go on cruises. Because that's easy. It's easily counseling people when they've already said, whatever you say is the way it is. And you ought to make anything that the pastor has to deal with, you ought to make it easy for him. And it's easy for him if you say before you start, whatever you say is the way it is. And if you can't say that, you're not really a saint. 
praise God. I, 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 there's, I, hadn't got to the, I hadn't got to the good parts yet. Amen. Looks like y'all getting me hung up here. I feel a little bit too much at home. Praise the Lord. You understand? That ain't no, that ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. When you ought to make it up in your mind. Amen. That this house, every once in a while, every once in a while, every man, every man that's got uh, a wife and family stand up in here. Every once in a while, you need to walk up by here and catch the pastor somewhere and, and tell him, say, Pastor, and you tell it in front of your kids, Josh, that that's the man of God of our house. And his word is law. And what he preaches, don't expect me to deviate from it. And here's what the clincher is. And then you tell them, wife, children, if you see me doing anything amiss that you'd like to report to the pastor, you have complete authority. You, I'm giving you my word. You can call the pastor about anything that goes on in this house at any time. That's what having a pastor is. If you don't have that, you're going to have trouble in your home because you try to handle it in-house. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you need to let your family know that's our preacher. Thank you, Jesus. And he don't just preach to us at church. There ain't nothing that goes on in this house that, that if there's something goes on, he, he, he's, you're more than welcome. If you see me, if he preaches against uh, social media and you see me on facial media, you go tell him. If he preaches against whatever. Uh, well, praise the Lord. All right. If you agree with that, you can sit down. If you don't, stand up and I'll keep preaching to you. Praise the Lord. Man, isn't God good to us? I love you, Jesus. You want to have a happy home? You want to have love in the home? You want to have some good feelings at home? You women ought to make it, make it so that when, when daddy comes home, that, that he wants to come home, that he don't look for a sports shop to go by and spend a couple hours because he's delaying coming home. Man, you ought to make that home so happy and that nest so cozy that he wants to rush to get home. Woo. It's called love in the house. It's called warm feelings. Lord, let this church, next time I come, it might just be overflowing and brimming with people if we get just a little handful of what I'm talking about tonight. And I'm telling you, when you... you you can, you can, uh, I'm trying to choose my words here. I'm, I'm not at home. Uh, uh, <laughs> I call it shuck. Y'all know what shuck? Shuck and jive? You can shuck and jive a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot, of, but you know who you don't shuck? 
your children. They know what you really are. Oh, and you know what? There are no perfect preachers and there are no perfect saints and there's no perfect parents. So we're not trying to be perfect. You just have to be open and honest and submitted and accountable. So that is the secret to having unity in the church, that there's nothing between you and your preacher and nothing between you and anybody in the church. There's no secrets on your phone. There's no secrets in your marriage. There's no secrets in your home that anything that's questionable, your pastor knows about it. Amen. Good preaching, Brother Lohan. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. You want to have a good home? You need to have no secrets. If you don't want to feel disconnected with the church and disconnected with the preacher, then don't have no secrets. Because the devil works in that little dark spots. Them little dark spots. And then you walk in the house and you feel all condemned. Because you know that something has got by that, that he preaches against and it makes you feel a little disconnected. Yeah. Amen. And the only way to get rid of it is to go up and lay it on the altar and talk to God about it and talk to the preacher about it. And say, now this has happened. Now I want you to keep an eye on me. I seen something that was not very good on my phone and, and, and I want you to keep an eye on me because I don't want that spirit to get a hold of me. Amen. If you're going to be clean and you're going to be right, it's going to be because you voluntarily submit your will to the preacher. Submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. The way we submit to God is by submitting to the minister. If that goes backwards with you, you're full of the devil. Who is the devil? but he who cannot submit to divine authority. Amen. That's right. And so, it's love of God. Love of God. How can I get an attitude with somebody when God's been so good to me? How can I not love somebody else when God has loved me over all my faults? and all my failures and all the times that I've missed and stumbled and missed the mark. And God just kept on loving me anyway. I mean, sometimes it took some of us 10 years and 20 years of being in church to really get to a firm foundation. And God loved us and let, his fill us, let, let us fill his spirit and we was able to run the aisles and we was able to get into worship. The whole time, the, we wasn't really quite right that God loved us and let his spirit come up on us anyway. And when that starts to dawn on you, you know, I ain't been that good a person, you know. It would probably be good if all of us would have a reality check and just look in the mirror and say, you know, I really hadn't been all that great a person. 
I hadn't been that great a husband. I hadn't been that great a wife. I could really do better. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. And when it starts to dawn on you who you are and how God has loved you anyway, how can I demand perfection out of other people when I'm not perfect myself? Oh, somebody wave your hand to Jesus a little bit. God shows us, God showed us how to love. He gave his life. He gave his life. God loves. The second part I want to talk about is God hates. This is a beautiful balance of God. Satan wants to kill and destroy. He hates. God hates sin. Sin and disobedience and lawlessness kills men. So many warnings to beware of, not to touch, not to engage, not to uh, get involved in certain behavior. All through the Word of God, many warnings. It's because uh, 1 Corinthians 6 says, you, He that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. All that the sins that a man doeth is without sin against your own body. Don't, they don't have self-respect. First of all, the scripture said you're not your own. The first precepts of holiness is you, you're not your own. You're not your own. You don't, you don't have, an, somebody said, I'll do what I want to with my body. Well, you don't have your own body. Until you can create your own body, create your own air to breathe, create your own planet to live on, create all the uh, vegetables and animals and everything that we eat. Until you can create all that, then you don't have a say. The trans people want to come out now and trans whatever, and they want to say, my body is a sovereign country. I'm my own country sovereign country well you, there's nobody sovereign and so you can't not uh, you, you cannot do what you want to do without consequences alright y'all hang in here with me we might pick up here after a little bit I just I mainly want to help somebody I, I don't have to don't have to have a lot of response, but just give me a good Baptist nod once in a while anyway. Praise God. God loves us, but he hates the sin in us. God hates. God loves us so much that he hates what hurts us. God hates what destroys us. And God hates divorce. God hates immorality. God hates homosexuality. God hates fornication, drunkenness, drugs, rebellion. God hates that which destroys lives, minds, families, marriages. God hates sin disrupts 
and interrupts the flow of God's blessing. That's what sin does. And so the easy answer is, and I don't know if I should even get into this part of it. I, I taught a whole message here a couple years ago about it, but I'll just drop it with you. It's one of them thoughts, you know, Brother Weddle, Brother Junior, like you, like you, you, you think of, well, the, the old elder, he, he probably had an answer to this. But, you know, the question could be asked. The Bible says God is love. Does God hate? Well, that's pretty easy to define, but then we take it to the next level. Does God hate people? Does God hate people? Now, the easy Baptist answer to that is he loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. That's the quick, varnished answer. So let me, let me talk about it. Does God hate? If you know anything about the Bible, you know there's things he hates. There's a hate list in Proverbs. First one's a proud look. Does God hate sin? Yes. Does he hate people? Does he hate anyone? Of course, we have Malachi, one where it said he loved Jacob, but Esau he hated. He burned up Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. He washed the whole population of humanity out in Noah's day except for eight people. Let me ask you something. Would you drown somebody you love? Would you send fire down to consume people you love? Technically, God does not hate anybody. But God hates what hurts us so much that at some point when people refuse to turn from what's killing them, at some point it gets aligned by man not seen in there somewhere there comes a point that if you won't turn from your sin, that's killing you. Woo! If you won't get it right, somewhere or another, God hates that sin so much and he loves the sinner so much. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He loved us so much and he hates that sin so much. After a time, some point in time, when you will not remove from that sin and you become one with your sin, when you and your sin become inseparable. In other words, when you get to the point that there's no repentance. Sin and hell are married unless repentance declares a divorce. Sinners are on their way to hell unless repentance happens. And when you become so involved and engrossed and in your mind so sinful to the point, and Romans 1 talks about it, 
Don't get quiet on me there. I'm telling somebody, say, well, I want to reach for everybody. I don't want to reach for who God's not reaching for. I'm not so proud to think that my hand is longer than God's. If God said he'd give up on them, if God said he turned them over, I'm a fool to reach for them. Oh, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Oh, and somewhere or another, it said on down there further, they were filled with all unrighteousness. And then there was something else that's written in there. All them sins it's written in Romans 1, it said, and they became haters of God. They hated God. This homosexual crowd and agenda that is in the, uh, the world today, they are a bunch of God haters. They saying, God, I hate. You didn't get me right. You made me wrong. They're shaking their fist in the face of God. And that's why God gave them up and gave them over because they become so identified they no longer was a sinner. They justified themselves and said, God, you got it wrong. And if you're ever saved, it's going to say, God, it's going to be because you said, God, you got it right. And I'm here for you to help me get it right. I might have got a lot of stuff wrong in my life, but I'm here and bowing my knee for you to get me right. Oh, I feel like putting a plow in and digging a little bit. If y'all, I, I know y'all not a stranger to that. I, I don't know visiting preachers. You maybe you don't do it, but I, this is me. Okay, this is the way I pastor you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help me to align myself with you. Help me to submit myself to the cross of Calvary. Help me to realize that I'm no good. There ain't no parents no good, no young people no good, no preacher no good. We're all clay. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of some divine help. And we're not here to pick at one another, but we're here to all bow our knee before God and say, God, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand and we need help in my family. I need help in my mind. Now, some of you that don't act like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to talk about that, but there ain't a person here that don't have some trouble with their head. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. God loves so much. There's some things that he hates so much. And when you become one with what God hates, if God, if God How's God going to separate that? What do I love and what do I hate? Somewhere there's got to be a repentance. And separate the old man. Separate that old flesh man. And make him bow. Hallelujah. And separate them. Because if you become one with what God hates, then you're going to get the consequences on you 
of what God hates. You're going to drown in the flood of ungodliness. You're going to burn up in the spirits of Sodom. The only thing that kept Lot from burning up was an angel came down and picked him up. If you read it real close, it said he picked him up and set him outside the city. If you make it out, it's going to be because God uses an angel that God uses some preaching. And there's going to be times you close to Sodom. You work in it every day. You hear the songs. You hear the conversations of the wicked. You're close to it. And yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and the word of the Lord comes and gets in the mouth of the prophet and the preacher. And you know what, God? Don't ever resist it because you know what God's doing? He's trying to pick you up and move you a little further from Sodom. Don't get mad about a little restriction on your phone or a little restriction on this. He's trying to, the angel is trying to move you from Sodom. He's trying to get you a little further away from Sodom. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody wave your hands at Jesus a little bit. wet in here? I want to be able to give God a little bit more than that. Let's, let's see what we can give him. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to mm. Lord, I receive your word. I receive your word. Lord, you love me. You love me. Help me to love not just in word and deed but in truth. Beautiful Jesus. You can be seated a moment. I want to move on to the next thing. The beautiful balance of God. A child of God has nothing. A child of God. That was me. I cut it off. I guess. A child of God has nothing to fear and no one to hate. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. A child of God, I'm going to tell you. I want God to know I, ain't have, I don't have nothing to fear. A child of God, I have nothing to fear. I don't feel like I got nobody that I got to When a person becomes one with their sin, I've done said it, I'll say it again. Becomes one with their sin. All right. 
there's some God consciousness still in there. If there's some God consciousness still in there, when that word of God comes forth, you're not going to feel the hate of God. You're going to feel this is God pulling me one more time. This is God drawing me. Thank God for his drawing power. And so, a lot of times we would say the opposite of love is hate. But somebody said it like this. The opposite of love is not hate, but it is indifference. It's maybe not as much hate. Or maybe indifference would be the definition of hate. If I don't love, I become indifferent. And so, I'd like to read 1 John, the fifth, first chapter, the fifth verse. This, then, is the message that we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. If you've got it there, you can read for me. That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. That's First uh, John 1 and 5 and we're on 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We walk in the light, he is in the light. Oh, did you catch it? We have fellowship one with another. There's something, the blood just doesn't flow vertically. It flows horizontally. I got to get right with God. Well, some of that sometimes is getting right with your brother. Because it's not enough for me to hit me this way. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us if we have fellowship one with another, the blood cleanses us from all sin. There's something that's got to flow between me and God and something got to flow between me and my brother. It's something about how I feel about God. I can't just learn to do all the rituals and to keep all the rules. There's a, there's a feeling that has to flow. There's a feeling that has to be between. Oh, yeah, I love everybody in the church, but there's a feeling. There's a feeling that needs to flow. Even them people that's not the easiest to get along with, that maybe is not, that doesn't just jive with your personality. I still need a kind, warm feeling. Amen. Toward my brother. It's the, the blood flows in that. That's what the book said. Read on. Yeah. All sin. Oh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We confess our sin. That's being open, honest, and submitted. We confess our sin. Woo, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If somebody will get honest about their sin, 
Somebody get honest about their situation. So I'm talking about the beautiful balance of God tonight. God loves. Everybody say God loves. God hates. And God forgives. God forgives. Woo. He loves. The flow, the love comes down. Love's got to go out. He forgive me. The forgiveness has got to go out. It has to. Jesus said, if you, if you can't forgive, neither do I forgive you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is it that don't need forgiveness? Who is it that don't need cleansing? Who is it among us that don't need some cleansing and some help with the secret parts of their heart and their mind and their spirit? Who is it? Oh, thank you, Jesus. And so I, I have no choice but to forgive. Because if I cut the forgiveness off this way, it gets cut off that way. And that thing that was mentioned earlier, oh, man, bitter starts to come around. Forgive means to stop feeling angry or resentful for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake. If we confess and forsake our sin, it said that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. Proverbs 28 and 13, he that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. Hey, don't cover his sin. You know, the devil and God have something in common. They both want to cover your sin. The devil wants you to cover it up and hide it. But God said, don't you be hiding it. You bring it to me and let me hide it. Don't you start trying to take my place. I'm the one died for your sin. Don't you start trying to take my place. Woo. Oh, you don't want me to dig in depth, do you? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Don't want me to dig. He, you see, there's a scripture over there. I forget the exact chapter it is, but it's in uh, Old Testament. I believe it's in Kings where David is talking about uh, Uriah, and, and they said that God did right. David did right with everything that he did except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now, on most moment, I want to make you think, did God forget about Bathsheba? Did he think murder was worse than adultery? Didn't say nothing about Bathsheba. Just said in the matter of Uriah. David did everything right in my eyes. But that matter about Uriah the Hittite. Well, this is a little nugget I'll pass on to you. You can receive it. 
It's not that he was condoning adultery. But God has enough blood to cover your sin. There's a fountain open in the house of David. Oh, there ain't no problem with the covering. David, when the man of God confronted him, he repented. And that was like God never thought of that again. Because the next minute, the Bible said, You'll die if you commit adultery, you're to die. But Nathan the prophet said, thou shalt not die. Hallelujah. Oh, I better not go there. What you going to do when the Bible and the preacher says two different things? Who you going to believe? Like Bishop McKillop. If you'd have had that Bible pulled out there and you sitting there listening to Nathan and David repenting and said, it's me. I'm sorry, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a messed up failure. And Nathan said, thou shalt not die. And there have been some folks over there thumping the Bible saying, but the Bible says he's got to die. Does he think he can get by this because he's a king? But God put a preacher in your life Knowledge knows the rule, but wisdom knows the exception. And sometimes your preacher will make decisions that may not look like it's biblically right. Oh, y'all really getting quiet now. But God gives a preacher the sense. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you what the Bible said. The, the Bible said you'll die for adultery, but Nathan said, no, you're not going to die. He was a prophet. He was a preacher. And you know what? He didn't die. And then when he got over to Uriah, he said, he didn't mention nothing about Bathsheba. He didn't mention nothing about the adultery. He just said, David walked in all the ways of the Lord except with Uriah the Hittite. Why was that an issue? When everything else was covered, why was that an issue? You ready? I'm not in over my head, am I? <laughs> Why was Uriah issue and Bathsheba and adultery didn't seem to be the issue? This is somebody else talking about David way on after. It was because David tried to cover his sin. God's got an issue. Not with your sin, but when you sin and try to cover it. Oh, Lord, have there's blood at the altar if you'll repent. But God has got an issue with it and he'll hold it against you and it'll still be on your record if you try to step in his place. I'm coming one day in the flesh and I'm going to die for the blood and I'm going to wipe, wash that sin away and I don't need you trying to be me. I don't need you trying to take care of your own sin. Mm, hallelujah. I come to tell you God loves, God hates. 
And I want to tell somebody, hear me good and clear, you're going to need it. Some of you think you're so wonderful and mighty and pious and apostolic and on your way to heaven and, 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 you know, and all that. And I hope we all are. But I'm just going to tell you, God forgives. And if we don't let him forgive us and we don't forgive others, I'm telling you, God forgives. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that God washes and cleanses from all sin and uncleanness. All he requires me to do is just be open and honest about it. Just repent about it. Not try to cover it myself. Let him cover it. Don't you try to cover it. Don't you try to say, oh, I, I looked at a little adultery. I mean, I looked at a little bit of pornography, and, and, and I did a little this, that, but, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to disclose it to the pastor. Boy, boy. I, 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 a little something happened in, in, uh, between me and my wife and kids, and, and we're just going to keep it in-house here. We don't disclose it. Oh, if you ever get right with God, there won't be nothing. And you'll say, this is what we've had issues with in our house. And preacher, I want you to preach to us and keep an eye on us because we really want to be saved. And it doesn't matter if I'm embarrassed. It don't matter if I have to be set down. It doesn't matter what. We're here to be saved. And until you get to that place, you're not a saint. You're just acting. something here. In the name of Jesus, I bind every unsubmitted spirit, every spirit that want to hold back, every spirit that wants to cover your tracks and justify yourself. You're full of hell and iniquity in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, you ain't this far from victory. The devil wants to make you think you are miles from victory. You ain't but this far from victory. All it takes is being honest and saying, I'm the man. There's forgiveness. There's cleansing. There's washing. There's victory. There's love like you ain't never known. There's forgiveness like you ain't never known. Oh, hallelujah. Let's love him here a little minute. Let's love him here a minute. In the name of Jesus. Ooh. Hallelujah. Ooh. <laughs> hallelujah. He forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Yeah. What he said, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with love and kindness and tender mercies. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west,
so far as he removed our transgressions. Man, you can't beat a deal like that. Somewhere. My brother Evans, I must act like him. That's what he used to do, take his little book out. God loves us, but God hates what hurts us. But if you'll repent, he'll forgive you. And you just can't beat a deal like that. Somewhere, at many times in our life, there has to be a reset. There has to be a new start. I was raised in church, so I never smoked a cigarette. I've never drank a beer. I've never been with another woman but my wife. I mean, what, what a, somewhere along the way, there has to be a new start. And it ain't something that just happened one time. There are certain times, Brother Junior, there are certain times, Brother, that God will be talking in such a manner. And there will be a bunch of stuff that's mounted up in your life. Mental stuff. Spiritual stuff. Sometimes stuff may have happened. And it will get built up. <laughs> Do I just get one new start? Is that all I get? Is I just get one start and if I blow it, I blow it? Is that, is that the way it is? You better hope that ain't the way it is. The good news ain't very good news if that's the news. But I come to tell somebody that he'll give you a new start and a new life, a new mind. As, as they would say in the world today, reboot. Restore. Relationships. God will restore relationships. Things that you never thought could be fixed. God can restore relationships. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all those that call upon him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's faithful. He's a merciful and faithful high priest. He's not just merciful, but he's faithful. That means he just don't have the mercy for it. That means, that means he's, he's there. He ain't going to walk out on you. He ain't going to walk out and leave you. Just because you've done some stupid stuff, he ain't going to walk out and leave you. Just because some stuff you said shouldn't have been said, God ain't going to leave you over that. If you left your wife every time that there was a little something said, you wouldn't be married today. You don't leave your wife and you're just an old human being. We're just no flawed flesh. God don't give up easy. God don't walk out on people just because they do a little something stupid. God loves you, but he hates what's killing you. And he's standing ready to forgive and make a new start and reboot your mental computer. In the name of Jesus. I want every hand in the building raised. If you know you need 
some love and forgiveness and help from God. In the name of Jesus. I love you, 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 Jesus. I thank you for watching after me. I thank you for giving me chance after chance. Thank you, God, for victory. Oh, we wouldn't be here if he had dealt with us after our sins. If he had rewarded us according to our iniquities, we wouldn't be here. It's not because I'm smart that I'm here. It's not because I've been so good that I'm here. It's because God has loved me and God's been merciful to me. God's been merciful to me. I'm done, whatever you want to do. I had a preacher tell me something one time, and I, I, I never forgot it, Brother Burton. It, you reminded me of it a while ago, and you said almost the same words a while ago. We was out here knocking on doors, talking to people. They come to the door, and they said, oh, man, I'm, I've been married five times. I got a jail sentence hanging over my head. I'm a registered sex offender. You don't want me in your church. I'm snorting crack. Man, I'm, I'm a mess. I just, I'm just honest. I, I, I'm tired. Of, it looks like I, I'm going to jail. You know what we'd tell them? Come on to church. Let's see what God will do. Let's see if God won't give you a restart. Well, I got that same message for folks who's been raised in church. We want to kick them aside. Get out of church. Uh, I'd kick my fair share out. I, 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 don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. The older I get, the less I'm kicking out. Because the older I get, I'm realizing... I need a lot of mercy myself. And if there's some folks sitting back there on mercy, and I'll walk back to them every once in a while and tell them, you sitting on mercy. The truth be known, the preacher's sitting on mercy. The ones on the front pew sitting on mercy. The fact is, we all sitting on mercy. When somebody's raised in church and they go out and do something stupid and get their life all messed up and get in a bunch of trouble and get this and get that and other thing, what do we tell them? Just go on to hell. Limp on back to the house of God. Just sit there and hear the word. Let's see what God will do. I don't know what God will do, but I know one thing. The God I know has got a lot of mercy. He got a lot of love and he hates what's messed you up, but he's also got a lot. If you can somehow repent, there's some blood waiting on you. If you can somehow repent. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. 
Now, I don't really feel that spirit here tonight, but sometimes it's easier for God to forgive us of our unrighteousness than it is for him to forgive us of our righteousness. But even your good parts, your righteousness is like a bunch of stinky, filthy rags. Ain't none of us got nothing to boast about. You pull up to that old car dealer and say, I want to trade cars. They kind of look at your old one and tell you how bad it is. I'll tell you, your trade-in ain't worth much. They wind up not giving you really nothing for it. They just discount the other one a little bit. No, when you come to God, you didn't have nothing to trade in. You was broke. You didn't have nothing of value to trade. It was all one way. And you better understand that if you was raised in church or you wouldn't. It all went one way. I'm broken. I'm nothing. And after I've been preaching for over 30 years, that's the way I still feel. Junior, I'm broken. This flesh ain't worth nothing. Anything good. It's because God's done it. And I'm going to thank him. I'm going to love him. And I'm going to pass it along. He forgive me. And I'm going to pass it on down the line. In the name of the Lord. Let's lift our hands to him. God bless you. God loves, God hates, God forgives. If you really understand what the Holy Ghost is talking about tonight, I want you to lift up your voice and lift up your hands. name in the name it's above every if the Holy Ghost is talking to you you ought to get out of your seat and make your way up here with your hands uplifted and say Lord you found me tonight I'm ready for a new start I'm ready for a reboot I'm ready for a restore oh I'm ready for an overhaul come on come on come on come on my God have mercy 